Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy O'Connor. Brett Mir does it again. Rock'em Robots here. Oh my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, no time to waste today, but it is Kenny Florian's birthday month. I've seen some women recently like say, hey, it's my birthday month. It's like, what? Your birthday month? Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I barely celebrate my birthday, let alone the whole month. You know what no, I mean? It's, you it's, and it's, I like that more to... on yeah, our birthdays exactly. at this point in time. Creeping you up know? to 50, kid. It's, it's not, unbelievable. Not it really is. You know, like 50. We are so much closer to 50 than 30. It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, twilight of our careers and lives. Yeah. It is Sunday, May 1st, as we get Ken Flo's fucking birthday month underway here in the year 2022. <laughs> Episode 374 of the Anakin Florian podcast. I am back off the red eye from Vegas. Very excited to talk to my friend. And um, obviously, it's a pay-per-view week. The bulk of the back end of the show will be devoted to UFC 274, Oliveira versus Gaethje. Uh, but it's not so rare that we have a UFC fight night like this that gives us so goddamn much to talk about, particularly when it comes to this main event. So let us get to it. Marlon Chito Vera, first main event for him, uh, and he emerges with flying colors, a monumental victory over Rob Font, who was about as game as it gets. A uh, lot of layers to this before the fight, during the fight, after the fight. But your thoughts on Chito's performance Saturday night? Uh, just really impressed. Uh, again, a guy who will get a spot on my nasty prick uh, 2022 team. Uh, he's just, again, the, the, the continued momentum, the continued improvement uh, is beautiful to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when I first started striking or learning the striking game, I, I wanted to be safe defensively. And what I did is I, I used that shell, not that Philly shell, but that clam shell uh, type approach that Cheeto used. Um, and, you know, as you can see, it, it nullifies even a lot of the most crisp boxers because it the, the punches skim off, it hits elbows, hits the top of the head. And while it looks like he's landing some combinations, they're not doing any damage. And I hate making this metric or making this comparison, but if you look at the face of Rob Font compared to the face of Cheeto Vera and you add up all the numbers, and I would say, who do you think is the guy that landed more strikes? you would go, well, obviously Cheeto's the guy who landed more strikes. That's not the way it was, right? Um, so defensively, 
Cheeto really knows how to utilize that clamshell extremely well. It must be used with movement. And for the most part, he was using it with footwork, uh, but he was keeping it very tight, which was uh, not allowing Rob Font to land a lot of those beautiful combinations. Rob is such a pretty striker to watch, yeah. but he wasn't doing any damage. And at the end of the day, for, you know, especially this is great because we're coming off the last podcast with Sean Sheehan, who explained this beautifully. It comes down to damage, right? Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Cody off air before this. It's like, you know, shit, if I let's say you have a, a less superior weapon, you have a knife. I got a gun. I shoot, you know, Cody five times. Sorry, Cody. Uh, huh. And I, I get him in the shoulder. I get him in the leg. These are these are gunshots. They're bad. But I go over there, finish the job. He takes a knife out, slashes my neck and I'm dead. Who won? Right. Yeah, all, all it you. took was one shot. So, again, I, I felt like that's what Cheetah was doing. I thought Rob Font won round one, right? And then rounds two, three, four, and five were stolen yep. repeatedly, for the mo most case, by yeah. Cheeto Vera because of those brutal and precise blows, knocking him down, almost finishing him in that right. fight. That's right. what we're looking at, right, John? Exactly. Almost finished Rob Font in rounds two, three, and four, to be sure. So, any thought to giving Rob Font that round up to that point, I think goes out the door, you know? So yeah. learning what I've learned over the last several weeks, shout out, of course, to Sean Sheehan. Um, I felt pretty convicted in saying that the judges were going to go four one for Marlon Chito Vera. There are a lot of different angles to this, you know, in terms of the word damage and obviously the three D's dominance, duration, damage. This isn't a situation of all oh, certain fighters cut easily, right? Rob Font is not cut easily as you saw. Um, I would also submit to you uh, that Rob Font missed weight, and that doesn't sit well with a lot of his contemporaries, right, who don't want to hear that the weight just wasn't coming off. And you know how much respect I have for the New England cartel and Tyson Chartier, and I think a lot of those guys do listen to this program. But I think it does stand to reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that if Font does stare death in the face and cut those final two and a half pounds, that he doesn't survive that beating at the end of one of those rounds. You know, so That's a good point. I mean, is that a crazy thing to say? No, I mean, here's the thing. Every pound matters. It's I find it hilarious when people are like, well, he was only, you know, half a pound off or he was only a pound off. Why didn't he just cut the rest? It's like, dude, you know, he just ran a marathon and you're asking someone to be like, can you just run two Hi. more miles for me? Just all I need is two right. more miles. You just did. You should do a marathon. Just do two more. It's, right, it's easy. Right. You know, so, yeah, no, it's it's tough. And, and I agree with you because. All that water, okay, it comes out of your body. It comes out of your brain. It's harder to recover from those things. And, and again, um, Rob Font should have made the weight. That, that's no excuse. It's, it's not a good thing. He should have made the weight. But at the same time, John, you're absolutely correct. If he did make that weight, I'm not sure he would have survived yeah. uh, a couple of those rounds. Yeah. Now, you could also say because of the tough weight cut and him not being able to make – Maybe that's why he got knocked out so many times during the fight. Sure. So it absolutely has an impact on your body. Doing a weight cut, I, I, again, yeah. I hate to you know talk about my experience, uh, but I fought and I felt like shit at 145 pounds both times, uh, energy-wise, strength-wise. I wasn't the same. I remember I got hit by a shot and I dropped to one knee. And yeah. it I didn't yeah, feel like it was right, a hard shot, right. but my body felt like it was right, a hard shot. Right. And um, it, it, it definitely takes its toll on you. And so that was unfortunate on Rob's side. You know, uh, yeah. It's tough because a lot of my dearest friends in the world are in the sort of no tolerance for weight miss club, right? You and Paul Felder and Cruz. And so these are a lot of the people that have been in my ear over the last decade, right? And, 
you know, for Dominic Cruz's last weight cut, I'm not going to get into the details, but like the weight wasn't coming off. Um, and it was right. absolute torture. Still made the weight, but right. he still made the weight. Right. Yeah. So, so much so that when he got to the weight, and he's, you know, he's like, or after the fight, he said to me, were you getting nervous at like 1045 when I'm not there? Yeah. I'm like, you're fucking right. I was, you know, um, right. but I guess that's neither here nor there. I would also say for judges, for commentators, Kenny calling out strikes in real time is sort of difficult. And, um, you know, oh, yeah. Rob Font was on the wrong side of a record here, right? In terms of statistically, um, he landed 271 significant strikes. Marlon Chito Vera landed 159. So in terms of a UFC decision win, no one sort of been outstruck for lack of a better verb yeah. on the numbers and still won a fight like that. Um, you know, I thought Rob Font obviously did a lot of good work, but in real time, like a lot of those strikes were glancing off of the arms and, and obviously the shell, the Jose Aldo shell is legendary, you know, Cheeto defensively, very sound. Um, you know, I do think that, uh, that maybe attacking the body would be useful against somebody like Cheeto Vera. I mean, what'd you think of Rob Font's overall approach to be, you know, triple digit strike attempts, like right. He's going over a hundred total strikes every single round right out of the shoot. Yeah, listen, I, I thought it was impressive. His numbers, his volume of strikes was really was really pretty to watch. He was mixing things up. Um, I would have liked to seen him attack the legs a little bit more. Um, I think Cheeto threw more leg strikes, I believe. Um, but yeah, I, I would have liked to seen Rob maybe throw a little bit more leg strikes, but he was doing everything right. I, I think the only thing I would have seen from Rob, I would like to seen from Rob was uh, mixing up the full mixed martial arts arsenal of trying to take Cheeto down, yeah, yeah. getting top position, because Rob's got some phenomenal grounded pound. It doesn't mean he has to exchange, you know, jujitsu techniques necessarily. Get position, get your posture, and pound away, you know. Um, yeah. I would have liked to seen that a little bit more from Rob, but, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But he was landing a lot of those strikes, um, again, as you said, off the shell of Cheeto. Um, and then defensively he could have been a little bit better it was like i i've never seen a guy out technique another guy and then lose the round you know what yeah, i mean he yeah, he, yeah. he was the more technical striker he was clean with what he was doing it yeah. just looked fundamentally sound all those things but there would be a, a tragic error in each and every round that that would happen where he'd find himself in trouble whether it was ducking down too much and not like you know, getting an angle to, to be more defensively sound or safe, um, you know, so he ducked down and his arms would kind of be out a little bit more wide open where that knee came up down the middle or right. he'd get hit with, you know, whether it was a shot over the temple. So defensively is where he was making some of those mistakes. And there weren't many. It's just Cheeto was finding that spot. And I think maybe there was a, a brief lack of focus for just yeah, a few yeah, seconds on yeah. the part of Rob Font because maybe he was winning the round and was cruising and it was almost making it look easy at times. But yeah. then he'd make uh, maybe a, a, a lapse in judgment and would get caught and, and would pay dearly for it. And, and Cheeto is an absolute killer, man. If he hurts you, he's going to try to take you out. And, he, and he's um, very methodical uh, and, and, again, just a nasty dude who, who's going to try to get you out of there. And, and it looked bad on the judges. He was bruised up badly. Oh he was God. bleeding. It looked like, you know, he went face first into the wood chipper. It was yeah. just nasty stuff. Yeah. 
Absolutely nasty. We're going to spend the next five minutes now on Marlon Chito Vera, um, but I'm glad we were able to sort of get that discourse out of the way. So as a gambler, Kenny, you're looking for certain spots to back or fade certain teams, right? Whether it's an NBA team off a back to back, you know, and, you know, maybe they're partying in New Orleans and the next night they're playing in Milwaukee and whatever the case may be. Right. So. I thought going in, and I would never utter this before the fight, and you can say that uh, this is bullshit because I'm saying it after the fact, but, you know, Rob Font coming off the Jose Aldo disappointment, you know, maybe a little bit hard to get up for Cheeto Vera, who's ranked below you. You know you're not getting a title shot if you win this fight. You can call this speculation. You can call it whatever you want, but really it was more of a focus on Cheeto Vera being in a totally opposite frame of mind than that, right? Hungry as hell, as he always is, training 24-7, 365, arguably the best cardiovascular base in the entire UFC, most prolific finisher in UFC Bantamweight history, and fighting in his first UFC main event with all the motivation in the world. Now, certainly Rob Font is an outstanding fighter, and you can argue he would look better shooting a basketball than Cheeto Vera athletically. Um, you can argue that Rob Font would beat Cheeto five or six out of ten times. I won't sit here and do that. Um but I don't know, man. I did think this was a good spot to back Cheeto as the underdog. I just thought that he was not going to be denied. And knowing that you can't put him away, I think for a lot of these elite Bantamweights, it's going to be a very difficult challenge to sort of wrap your head around. You know, staying hungry and having a passion for the sport is something that um, I knew I had to have throughout my career. And I knew that as soon as that was gone or as soon as my body wouldn't allow me to do that, those are the two major signs uh, which indicated I I, I couldn't fight anymore that I, I had to say goodbye. Mm. Um, the, you know, the body went first. I, I still had a passion uh, and a hunger for, for the sport. If you don't have, you know, what, if you don't have both of those things, you're in trouble. I, I'm not saying that's the case for Rob. Fon, no, but no. It, it, you, know, you bring up a good point. It's way easier, right? Um, I guess psychologically to say, uh, I got to climb that mountain as opposed to being at the mountain, holding your spot, not letting anybody else go up. You know, it's just a different mindset. Um, th th those people that are looking to climb that mountain, that are looking to try to get that title shot for the first time or get those big fights or are just really motivated and passionate about that, that a lot of times is enough fuel to surpass the person that maybe, maybe is even more skilled than you. Yeah. And I think that was yeah. an example here. Rob Font. Dude, I mean, he has all the skills in the world. I love watching oh, him man. fight. There's this no dude doubt. is clean, okay? He's nice with it. But um, I think there was maybe a lack of focus, and whether that was him maybe, uh, you know, whether it was the weight cut or right. uh, maybe losing focus, maybe not having the hunger, I don't know. But it, it is a real thing, and it happens to every athlete, let alone every fighter. And Tyson Chartier, Chartier could text me later that, you know, I'm out of my skull piece, but, uh, you know, Marlon Chito Vera obviously should be the focus here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the cardio. Um, I don't even know what to say about the resting heart rate or that the fact that 18 minutes in, he's not even fucking schwitzing can float. Like, I don't even know what to say, but print the ABC always bet on cardio shirts already. Like I would never fade the cardio guy. And, uh, I don't know, man. That I don't know that uh, Cheeto has a greater weapon than that of all his long range stuff and everything else. Like, I feel like cardio is his biggest gift. Uh, conditioning uh, is certainly there for Cheeto. The other thing I, I would argue is that, um, from an efficiency standpoint, um, he, he is great to watch as well. There, you know, you look at every shot that he threw, he really was making them count, right? I mean, that, that was really the difference for me. Um, 
And I think there's a lot of fighters out there that don't know how to manage that whole thing. Like um, either they're throwing not so much, but uh, maybe not making it count um, or they're just, you know, not throwing a lot of volume because they don't want to get tired or they're throwing too much volume and just getting wrecked, you know, condition wise. Right. So managing that and knowing how you can, keep a certain pace round by round over the yeah. course of 25 minutes and be effective yeah. with your techniques is an art in and of itself. And, and Cheeto is so good at that. And um, I, I think that's often overlooked. Um, it's like, how much energy are you putting into what you're right. doing? The and energy con- manage that? conservation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's definitely something to be said there. And, you know, we use this analogy sometimes talking about Piotr Jan or Cheeto Vera that they're like playing with their food. And Mm. maybe in Cheeto's case, like, you know, I know I can block all these punches, so let's just gas you out a little bit and and then we'll pick things up in round two. And obviously Jason Perillo, I'm I'm almost having a comedic moment with Cheeto after round one saying, I know the way you approach round one, but Kenny, this I do believe is sort of, a dangerous approach long-term. I mean, he almost lost the Frankie Edgar fight. I mean, am I crazy, right? Like it yeah. stands to reason that he lost rounds one and two before getting mm-hmm. the finish and certainly five rounds affords him all this time um, to, you know, land his destructive blows. But I don't know, man, I think in certain matchups, you got to be careful digging yourself a hole like he perpetually seems to be doing. There's no question about it because if Rob wasn't making those little mistakes, it, it would have been a dominant performance from Rob Font, and we'd be talking about how damn good Rob Font is. Now, he is very good. It was just those lapses where Cheeto was taking advantage of it, and I couldn't agree more. Cheeto has you know, that computer where he likes to analyze and see how he's going to approach it. And I think he definitely gets, um, he plays off the feel of the fight and the feel of his opponents and then makes his adjustments or looks for those holes or vulnerabilities, which is great, but you can't let someone get ahead like that. Now I think right, it's like the Jose Aldo was a perfect, Jose Aldo fight was a perfect example of that. So technically he has some work to do. There's no question about it. Um, it doesn't make him any more, you know, less impressive. He's still a phenomenal fighter, but I think those are the things that Cheeto is working on. That's why he's in the gym all the time, because as he gets up into the elite guys, you cannot let someone get ahead like that because they're not going to make mistakes. Like the top five guys don't make those mistakes, period. So uh, I'm curious to see how he approaches it. I know he's capable of doing it. Uh, Cheeto is an absolute stud. Yeah, I mean, Font did land a lot of clean shots, and Cheeto barely had a scratch on him. Really just incredible. There's so much to talk about with this fight. You know, I'm so happy for Cheeto Vera, right? I mean, Kenny, you and I obviously go way back with this guy. Yes. Um, he reached out to Kenny, as many of you know, very early on in terms of trying to make his elbows more proficient. I mean, he has wanted this dream since he was training, moving couches in his living room in Ecuador. You know, he made his UFC debut, having never trained in the United States of America, Um uh, and obviously a one and two start in the UFC, as we've talked about, and uh, just so happy for him, man. You know, he has so many different attributes as a human being and as a fighter. And um, I don't know, it's pretty cool to see him, you know, getting this type of spotlight and changing his kids' lives, you know, not unlike Oliveira and Moreno and these other guys. And uh, I think this guy might fight for the belt before it's all said and done. His focus is impressive. I mean, you could see it certain guys that are really tuned into the fight, like I I can see from the very first bell to the end of the fight that the only thing that existed was Rob Font. Like he he was tuned into everything that was, had to do with Rob Font. There was no distractions. His focus was all there. 
Um, and uh, I, I really that that was the difference. Just uh, really impressed with Cheeto, man. All right. Well, congratulations to Marlon Chito Vera and the entire squad as we spin it forward for him. So Aljamain Sterling is the undisputed champion of this division. He was in the building. Um, not totally out of the realm of possibility that Cheeto Vera in a short notice replacement situation could find himself in a title fight. But I do think he's going to need one more fight. Maybe it'll be a main event. Um, so you have Aljamain Sterling. You have Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, Jose Aldo, Corey Sandhagen. Rob Font, of course, who will now move down. Marab Dwalishwili, Dominic Cruz, and Cheeto Vera. So it doesn't really matter for Cheeto. I think he wants Dillashaw, Sandhagen, the Aldo rematch, or Piotr Jan if he can't get Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I don't know if you want to get predictive or what you would like to see, but I know you were pretty excited before we started the show about uh, all that this Bantamweight division potentially could have to offer with these new matchups. Savages. I love this division, man. I love watching these guys. They're so damn technical, and and they go for the finish. So I guess, you know, for for the title, I I wouldn't mind seeing Aldo and Aljo going going at it. I I think – yeah, I don't know. I would think that the UFC would might be leaning in that direction. Right. Who knows? But right. uh, I would love to see that fight. Now, as far as uh, Cheeto Vera, uh, two lanky killers, Corey Sanhagen, Cheeto Vera. Let's go. Ooh. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You might say in Boston, that makes a fucking shit ton of sense. You <laughs> match up Sanhagen and Cheeto Vera. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Dominic Cruz. You know, it seems like there are some rumblings that a fight with uh, – Marab Dwalish Willie could materialize, but who knows? You know, there's a lot of different considerations for this Bantamweight division. Seemed as though TJ Dillashaw might have the inside track on a title fight. Jose Aldo, the king of Rio, has now gone public, proclaiming that, you know, he's been offered that fight. So we'll see what they do. Aljo was looking thick octagon side, I'll tell you yeah, that. And I don't I mean bet. fat. I don't mean fat. Um, getting his Mar- meals in. Marab's a little fucking backyard shed like Alir Latifi. Um, all right, co-main event, Ken Flo. And again, if we missed anything on Cheeto and Rob Font, uh, accept our apologies at Anik Florian Pod. Oh, man. I'm not going to throw the word robbery out there because Andre Arlovsky lives like five minutes down the road. And he might fucking come get me. But I really feel bad for Jake Collier because for the rest of his life, he's going to have to look at a red stripe on his Wikipedia page that says he lost to Andre Arlovsky and you know, according to me and Andre Arlovsky's head coach, Mike Brown, you know, Jake Collier won that fight. And, um, you know, this would have been a life slash career changing win for the father of three boys, Jake Collier. And I feel for him. Yeah. Listen, man, you know, it's funny. My, my father-in-law, uh, rarely texts me about fights. Um, and I actually had to watch the fights a little bit later and he, he texts me, he's like, what a robbery, you know, Bob. Ah, uh, so big shout out to Big Rick. But yes. he, he thought he thought that Collier Rick as will well. fuck went, you up, by the way. Yeah, I met Rick at Kenzo's wedding. Dude. He will fuck you up. <laughs> Rick Gilmer <laughs> will <laughs> fucking destroy you anyway. He's a big guy. Maybe he'll yeah. like that sound, but I don't yeah. know. And Dr. Gus, you're still the top seed, so you know. <laughs> by a significant margin. Yeah, man. Listen, this was a tough one. Um, it's hard, right? Because Arlovsky's a guy who's been around forever, uh, and he's such a legend. And um, he's still in this, still hungry, still fighting hard. But yeah, I, I thought Collier was going to get the nod, man. You know, um, yeah. What was everyone's reaction in in the in the arena when that happened? Well, I think. It was the loudest the Apex had ever been in my mind for a single fighter. So it was Team Arlovsky in there. Yeah. And um, Cody, perhaps you can go to the UFC News Twitter feed if you'd be so kind and pull up uh, which judges um, 
had that fight for Andre Orlovsky. And maybe if the round by round can be offered up to us, that would be great because I believe the dissenting judge had it 30 to 27 for Jake Collier, which I think you could argue. I mean, Mike Brown yeah. was heard audibly on the broadcast saying, Kenny, that, um, and I think you guys might've been in commercial break if I'm not mistaken, but he said, he said he was caught and Mike picked him up saying he thought he had, his guy, Arlovsky, had lost the first two rounds. Um, no, I mean, it was a competitive fight. It was back and forth. You know, yeah. people are criticizing me for calling it a war. Maybe that was a little bit too strong. I was fucking entertained. Um, but no, I mean, I thought Jay Collier strategically fought the right fight. You know, yeah. I thought he landed the more damaging strikes with elbows and knees. I thought he had a lot of good clinch situations. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just feel like he's Collier, I mean, don't let his frame fool you. Don't let his body fat percentage fool you. Like, he has put in an insane amount of work, and um, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I don't know. I, I, it just doesn't sit well with me. You know, when you, you get the biggest fight of your career, you go win it according to, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm I'm, I'm a little sour about this. All right, Mike Bell, 30-27 to 27 for Jake Collier, Douglas Crosby, 29-28. Arlovsky gave rounds two and three to Pitbull. And Sal Diamato, who I think is the best judge in the business, um, gave two and three to Arlovsky. So um, there you have it, Ken Flo, is what it is. I'll have yeah. to talk to Sal about that. Um, all right, Joe Anderson Brito, if you saw the knockout against Andre Feely, you know, this is a tough setback for Andre Feely, but very big moment for Joe Anderson Brito. Uh, Grant Dawson and Jared Gordon, did you see that fight by chance? I did. I did. Man, you know, it's hard to change camps and to produce right away. You know, I mean, I don't know how many weeks, six or seven weeks, maybe the Grant Dawson had an American top team in South Florida, Florida sort of left glory MMA and fitness unceremoniously. Um, mm. But man, Grant Dawson is uh, I agree with him. Like he's the lightweight that needs a little bit more respect on his name. He did great. You know, I, I think that's where I thought he was going to get the better of Gordon. You know, uh, Gordon's so tough, uh, and he's he's very consistent. He's good all all the way around. I just thought Dawson's athleticism was going to give him an edge, and he was clearly the faster guy out there, um, and he was cleaner on the ground as well. Jared yeah, uh, yeah. tends to give his back sometimes during fights, unfortunately, and uh, and that's where Grant really took advantage. Um, and he did a good job of mixing things up with his strikes. You know, he wasn't singular, you know, minded and just trying to go for the choke or just looking for ground and pound. He's mixing things up, keeping Jared guessing and ultimately got that rear naked choke, uh, you know, for the win at the end of that round there. So, yeah, um, good, you know, good win for Grant. You know, I think this is going to give him a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence in his camp and his team and his approach. Uh, so, yeah, a pretty solid win. So when you're training for Al Jermaine Sterling, or you're training for Damian Maya, or you're training for Kenny Flory. And a lot of that training camp is super fucking annoying, right? Having ideally Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts operating off of your back, and then, right, you get them off your back, and then you assume the bad position again. Yeah. I hear Coach Nick Lentz in sort of a, a simple way say to Jared, just if he takes you down, just don't let him get on your back. So when a whole training camp essentially is, is rooted in not letting the elite back taker take your back, and then your coach says, if he takes it down, to, so Jared acknowledged the mistake publicly, but why, yeah. why is that so much easier said than done? You know, I, I think there's this um, idea, and, and this is the, this is the, what you're kind of dealing with. You're dealing with a dilemma in that um, in going to your back, or you know, I, I mean, getting to your back, going to your guard position, you don't allow them to take your back, right? You have that, you have that floor behind you, 
But now you're dealing with someone putting pressure and weight on you and, and risking grounded pound and losing the round. And there's always that what if, well, what if I just get back to my feet? What if I scramble to my feet real quick and I turn my back for just a second? Right, right. Uh, he's on my right, back. right, right. So that that's what kept happening. He was turning uh, away, but he didn't have that cage behind him. He was turning into space in the middle of the octagon, which allowed Grant to transition to his back. So th that's where the mistake was happening. And I think he was. He didn't want to lose that round. He wanted to scramble back to his feet, and he was hoping that Grant wouldn't be as quick as he was. And I think um, that that's kind of where where the that tactic failed. Um, and, and obviously, kudos to to Grant for taking advantage of it. Um, but um, it was tough. It, 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 that was a that was a tough loss for Jared. Man, a great guy. And I really like seeing, excuse the voice crack, Grant Dawson at 155 pounds, man, you know, former featherweight, you know, used to deal with that awful cut. And uh, yeah. I do think Grant Dawson's going to get a top 15 opponent, but this was uh, a good test for him to pass against uh, Definitely. Jared Gordon. Um, all right, so you got the calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie, spinning back fist. There are tons of ways to come out on top of the octagon. And for UFC 274, there is one more with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. So pretty simple. Strategically choose your fighter. Then you sit back and watch the action unfold. I don't have to tell most of you, of course, that anything can happen on fight night. But with this offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, you got a sure thing for 274. Any fighter, you bet $5, get $150 if they win. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code ANIK, A-N-I-K. Throw down $5 on any UFC 274 fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That is code ANIK this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes. For details and you can be sure Ken Flo and I are like three times the minimum age at this stage of our lives. All right. As you might expect, it's a pay-per-view week and on the heels of Font and Vera, Ray Longo's got a lot to say. Let us get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There he is. Here's your timestamp, folks, if you want to fast forward to the Ray Longo Minute. And this the show. What? What's the problem? You, man, you came out guns blazing. You were just <laughs> snoring. You were snoring A lot of recreational drugs and coffee in my system. Let's go. <laughs> I love How are it. you, buddy? Good, 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 good. Who had who, – who, 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 go over the picks. Who did I pick last week? Oh, I haven't the faintest idea. Really? Was it Cheeto? Were you leaning towards Cheeto? No, I took Cheeto. What's the matter with you guys? Yeah. You have a yeah. short memory when I I'm right. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I have to have a selective memory. I just, you know, I just got 30 fighters coming up this weekend, you know. Only so much room up there, Ray. I know yeah, Ken yeah, Flo yeah. was on the Cheeto side, I believe. Is that right, Ken Flo? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll tell you, but Rob Font, man, what a, what a first round he had. Beautiful boxing. I don't know. Man, those Every guys, round they, was great. He just was getting caught at the end. It's like, I, oh! I, I, yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, but, Ray, uh, what do you have those for us Boston on that guys fight? are just tough as shit, though, man. Holy crap. Yeah. That yeah. whole team is I they, they gotta are, be man. the toughest team around. Yeah. Um, what what were your thoughts overall just on the main event? I don't know if you have anything for us on the font weight miss, if you think that was a factor at all. What do you got for us? Uh, you know, I mean it, it was it's just a it, it I don't know if it was a factor, but it's uh, just a very bad look at this stage of the game and uh 
Uh, nothing more than that. Kind of kind of ruins the fight for me, to be honest with you. Well, right. I mean, it, like there was a window there where it's like, oh, is he going to get medically cleared? Or you, can you imagine the main event goes away and then it becomes a disaster? You know, I guess we were just sort of wondering aloud, like, you know, you never really know. Right. right. I've certainly seen fighters struggle far more on the scale. He came in well before 11 a.m. local time. The weight right. wasn't coming off. Um, But, you know. We're not going to hook people up to a lie detector to see if this was sort of a, a decision that was made to just stop cutting weight to try to, you know, benefit the tank or the performance on Saturday night. I just don't know. Um, I had just asked off the top of the show, like, hey, man, if Font has a real tough cut and he cuts two and a half more pounds, does one of those Cheeto shots actually remove him from consciousness and get him out of there? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. But uh, what about Cheeto, man? I mean, what about Cheeto? What do you have for us on Cheeto? Man, he just, you know, look, he's a he's a scrappy guy. He's he's got a great gas tank. He can he definitely he's got a set of whiskers on him and huh. he's willing to take a couple to get what he wants to get eventually. And he uh you know, he's got a variety of attacks that he could get you with. Nothing tremendous, but enough yeah. to, you know, do exactly what he did. And he he wasn't going anywhere, he was having fun. Uh, you could see he was in the moment, even when he was out of the moment, he was in the moment and, uh, Rob font, you know, I think it started looking like, uh, a guy swimming without a life preserver. You just knew he was going to drown eventually, you know, it just looked not, not comfortable. And he, and he was doing good, but you know, when you're piecing the guy up like that and he's laughing at you and doing that stuff, it could, it could take its toll on you. So I think, you know, Cheeto's. He's a dog, man. You're going to have to really get him out of there or he's going to be in your face for the whole 25 minutes. You know, Cheeto's a pretty big bantamweight. He's been working with perfecting athletes forever and just takes everything about this fight game so seriously. He's so obsessed with every little detail, and uh, I think it really shows. You know, it's really crazy. Well, not so much, I guess, but the fact that he's on a championship trajectory. And, of course, you got the guy who has the belt. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see Aljo and Marab, obviously, octagon side and watching all of this. And, dude, bantamweight is just on fire right now. Oh no! It's a what a great division. That first first six or seven guys, man, is every one of those combinations is a great fight. Every one of them. So, you know? what do you think is going to happen with Aljamain Sterling? Right, it seemed like T.J. Dillashaw was going to be the guy. Then Jose Aldo goes public, sort of suggesting that maybe he's been offered the fight. Um, I'm not looking for breaking news, um, but you have two guys in the top six, including the champion. I'm curious. What you think is going to happen, you know, with Aljamain Sterling and, and Marab Dwalishwili? Uh, I really thought the the Cruz Marab fight was a done deal. I mean, I okay. said that a couple of weeks ago because Marab told me that. Okay. And you're you're telling me no, but I thought that was the fight. Um, that's all right. Don't say you don't have to. Say, I'm not. I'm not attacking you. Ah. I'm just. I'm just. You know, I I really thought that was a done deal, but I, I I'm wrong, obviously. Maybe it is. Uh, Maybe my information isn't good. No, uh, no, I, I know. know it's been bandied about. I I don't know. I mean, if it was bandied deal. about. You know, three weeks ago, last yeah. time I saw Marab at uh, Aljo's fight, he told me that. So all right, so your guy uh, wants that fight. He Marab couldn't care who uh, he doesn't care who he he'll take any. Right. He doesn't care. Right. Right. Yeah, he's not. No, he's not calling anybody out. He's not looking for any. Just right, right, right. He just wants a date and he wants to go in and fight. I'm, that's his mentality. And what about Aljo? What, if you had a best guess as to who they're going to give him, I mean, Henry Cejudo's not going to come in and get a title fight, is he? 
No, I don't. I don't believe he will. No, um, I thought you know. So when he called out Dillashaw, I thought that was going to be the fight. That I know nothing at all about. And I haven't. So you don't know out. if Dillashaw's healthy, or I mean, no. we still don't know. Yeah, right. No, so. not zero. I it just seemed like the way that whole thing went down. I thought even Dana alluded to that would be the fight, but I, I yeah. feel like again, I, I I don't know anything about that. Because I just, I don't know, I feel like, uh, and I don't know, Cody is a guy who spends a lot of time with Aljo doing his weekly podcast. I, I just feel like if he if Aljo could get back, he's got a lot of momentum right now. I mean, everybody wants a piece of Aljo. You know, I think I'm doing a DraftKings shoot with him next week for UFC 274. Fans mobbing him. Like, I think fighting the next three months as opposed to the next nine months waiting for TJ Dillashaw would be useful for your guy. It's sort of what I'm getting at, you know? Like, this division is on fire. Let's keep this fucking thing going, you know? Yeah, no, look, I th- well, he made it pretty clear at the press conference and everything, uh, or at the after the fight at the scrum, <clears throat> whatever they call it, that he wanted to take some time off. So I don't think he's fighting within three months. You know what I mean? I could see five months probably. Nine months is a little long, but uh, he so you're definitely— You're saying December for Aljo most likely, huh? Say, yeah, I would think so, something like right. that. Very interesting stuff. All right. I want to get some stuff out of you on UFC 274 unless there was anything else. We talked about Jake Collier and Andre Arlovsky. I really thought Collier won that fight. I mean, I have buckets of respect for Andre, but I felt like Collier really deserved better. You got anything on that? I thought that was an easy fight to score for Collier, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're doing okay on this Sunday morning? (laughs) (laughs) Pump me up. Do something. Well, yeah, we're obviously we're going to be on opposite sides of this, you know, Cruz Dwalish Willie situation happens and we'll argue off the air, you know, Um, (laughs) but I I sense a little bit of negative energy from you. Really? Today? No, no. I don't know. You're getting getting me self-conscious like you always do. You're bullying me. Well, you still haven't gotten that haircut, but people get so upset when I talk about anything but mixed martial arts on hair. It's got to be good. I know. I know. Supposed to, uh, right. supposed to be tonight, but I don't think that's happening either. So we'll Go. see. All right. So big gun Brian Petrie is going to come on and make picks here shortly. But I just want to get a few thoughts from you, Raymond, on this championship fight card coming up at UFC 274 in Phoenix, Arizona. Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. Chandler's Chandler. a four to one favorite. Yeah, I'm going with Chandler on that. You give. What do you expect from Tony? Can Flo save your fucking bullets, bro? I love uh, Honestly, I just hope he's okay. Oh, that's man. that's that's what I'm hoping for. Just that he's we see something of the old form out of him, and he seems like he's in a better spot than he's been in the last bunch of fights. But you know, we'll we'll see. I think things get harder as you get older. So he's got a big mountain to climb. Guy won twelve straight fights at 155 yeah. pounds in the UFC. If that doesn't get you in the Hall of Fame, I just don't know what exactly you need to do. Um, Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza, I will admit to being a little bit surprised at the betting line here. Um, Esparza obviously is on an absolute tear, but I thought Rose would be closer to a 3-1 to one favorite. She's about minus 175 or so. What do you think about that fight? Uh, I think Rose gets it done. I think that that line is based on Esparza's wrestling and that she'll be able to get it to the floor over right. and over again. But... uh. Yeah, I think that that I don't think it's going to be an easy fight. I think that fight's going to be tougher than you think. Oh, I'm not suggesting. I'm just talking about. Well, I mean, three three to one is a noticeable. That's a sizable. Like you're guaranteed to win almost. You know. Yeah, but, I think uh, minus 
60 is a threshold where, yeah, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, no, I guess I just – I write down what I think the betting line is going to be before I take a look, and I was way off on that. Oh, well, I got you. So take it for what it's worth. Um, and then Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje will need a selection Ooh. on that as well. Wow. Well, I, I, you know, I got to go with Oliveira on that. I think it's his time. He, I, I, he handled uh, Michael Chandler pretty good. I think that's a similar uh, – that's a gauging point. But um, obviously on the floor, I think there's going to be a wide discrepancy. And I think Oliveira looks – he's been looking really, really sharp on his feet. And uh, I think the – I got to lean towards Oliveira on that. But, you know, you know, Gaethje could get you out of there at any point in time, man. And, you know, he could break you down too. But I think, uh, I think Oliveira gets it done. I think he's been the more active guy too and taking less damage. I think that what what was his last fight with Chandler when they just went berserk oh, yeah. on each other? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that shit starts to chip away at you too eventually. You yeah. Know? So we'll see. You know. Maybe Aljamain Sterling at Madison Square Garden in November. That would be a good spot for him. Wow. Take it back to that Nassau Coliseum, you know. Oh, I'd love to get back to the Coliseum. That would be uh that's his hometown. That would be that would be yeah. a dream come true. All right, at Ray Longo MMA at Anik Florian Pod, if you would like to chime in on what the bet will be. If Dominic Cruz and Marab Dwalashwili share the octagon, Ray and I will do a bet. Wow. Maybe you'll shave your head if Dom wins, and if Marab wins, I'll get like a Georgian flag tattooed or something. We'll figure well, it out. Uh, Kenny, you're actually, you're actually going to side with Cruz? Who, Kenny or me? No, you. All right, so I feel – I was talking about this <laughs> off the air. Didn't intend to do it on the air, but I feel very conflicted in all this business because uh, I don't know that Al Joe's ever had a bigger supporter than me throughout his UFC career. I have so much love for Marab <laughs> that I make the Georgian flag tattooed on me anyway. But, you know, uh, other than Ken Flo, you know, like if, if Dom was fighting Kenny, I'd probably root for Kenny. But other than that – that's it. Dom is is, is, my, is one of my best friends in the world. So so um, basically, it is you are to Kenny what Marab is to Aljo. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if Kenny. <laughs> I'm not even going to complete what that actually you know? is. But, <laughs> but, no, but like if I have an MMA fight at 125 pounds, Ken Flo and Dom both be in my fucking. Oh, maybe a long ago too. We'll see. Wow. Would you corner me, Ray? No, you want to corner my twin brother. Can right? you see this? What? Three. Yeah. Three. Three, Three champs. <laughs> dude, I, I know, dude. It Go really on. is like this. I know. Me? I mean, put him in the goddamn Hall of Fame. The artwork with you, with the uh, crossed arms. That was cool. Yeah, that, that uh, shout out to uh, Loretta and Anthony Delemi, who's making his pro debut on uh, May twentieth. The fight you were supposed to go to, but you can't. Right. Um, yeah, shout out to them too. They gave me an early birthday present, very early birthday. So present, Anthony Delemi and Steve Lee are both making their yeah. pro debut on May. 20th. And Aljo's well. brother. Oh television. wow! Oh, this is a big. This is a, John. I, this is the I'm, event you should be at. No, it should be. Yeah. Um. Well, let me talk to Ketlin Vieta and Holly Holm and see if uh they mind if I step away. I'm sure they yeah, don't. Give a they, shit. They, they're not gonna mind. Come on, no, at all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one more thing. Yes, please. Shout out to the Chicken Pound baby four ah. year anniversary. Four Amazing. years. Carla doing a great man. job. Unbelievable. Presented. You guys are missing out. I want you guys on the chicken pound bandwagon by next week. Oh, I got so, some chicken pound. I got some chicken. They sent me some. It's awesome. Uh, how was it? It's great. There you go. It is, yes. It's fantastic. Chicken pound. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. 
So Four are they going to be baby. the presenting sponsor of the Ray Longo Minute? Is that what is was, that my initiative to get that done, as you sort of alluded to on social media, to get that chicken pound sponsorship I mean, done? Or? I mean, I talked to Cody, so obviously he's not the guy to get it done. <laughs> so who, who do I got to go up there? You just keep going up the ladder until you hit somebody. That's right. And Ken flows at the top of the food chain, and uh, they're already sending chicken. There you go. No pun uh, intended. He's at the top yeah, of the food chain. All right, so when will we see you again uh, on the UFC road? Not for a while, I guess, right? Not for a while, yeah. All right. Any, a couple any of surprises coming up. A couple of surprises coming up in the summer, though. I'm not at liberty to say anything. Hey. All right. Okay. Well, a lot of people were we were trying to figure out a nickname for Longo. I know the Godfather was submitted. That's okay, but a little bit sort of overplayed. Um, yeah, we don't want that. Another one that was pretty good that's escaping me. Safe Saud's the general, so that's taken. There was one great nickname. I'm hoping Cody will fire it in the chat before uh, I get you off the air, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, anything else before we let you fly, Raymond? I think that's it, guys. All right, well, we appreciate uh, <laughs> you. He wants to go. He's like, let You're me go. in my face. I know. He's like, I'm not laughing at you. Wait, I'll tell you. I'm, uh, I well, you know you. I'm not attacking People think I attack him, Kenny. I, I, you know, I think it's a Long Island thing. We just attack everybody, I don't, and we don't exactly. realize it. You know what I mean? It's I yeah. love the guy. I don't no, know how many, it's, it's I don't know how many times it, I can know. say it. And uh, you know, if people want to think I'm sensitive, then that's fine. You know. Yeah, but John, your house. arms like that—they're almost instigating. You really you send a lot of no, going like, on. It's like a, like a gang sign. Yeah, it's like a, you get that in Rikers Island a lot when a guy <laughs> wants to shank you. <laughs> Yeah, psychotherapist would be like your body language. Oh man! Um, all right, my brother. Well, uh, it's great to see you as always, and uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Next Monday, Ken Flo is going to do the whole Rain Long Go Minute. I'm just going to sit back. So really, you gonna let me? You gonna let me date your boyfriend? I'm surprised at yeah, that. Yeah, so you can haze him for the lack of pointed questions on a Sunday. Oh, is that all you got? You going to talk about your fucking daughter again? You know. <laughs> All right, guys. See you, Ray. I'm bailing out. Yeah, Take I it easy. You, you half wanted to be here today, huh? The very long time <laughs> He's like, shit, Every week. do the Anakin floor. I, mean, I know. It's like, <laughs> shit, for the 347th yeah. straight week, I got to fucking go on with those guys. Paying me an average of like $3.50 an episode over the seven-year <laughs> lifetime of the show. All right. UFC 274, Oliveira versus Gaethje. Footprint Center, Phoenix, Arizona, Saturday, May 7th, live on pay-per-view. We got some picks to make. We're calling in the big guns. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Yes, sir. Gun. Brian. Yeah. At MMA Takes Podcast. That's right. T-shirt. Thank Apple you. T-shirt. You got Value Boys T-shirts. I do. I think I have one coming to you in the mail, there, sir. The man, uh, Kempflo got you last week on the picks. Is that correct? He got me. He got me with the Dawson Gordon Reed. It was nice. It was nice on him. I went. I went heavy underdogs. Uh, and Gordon and, and Jared Merskar didn't pan out for me, but I switched to Cheeto because of the weight cut. Uh, I made that official on the uh, Cody. Got right. me on the uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, and Cheeto bailed me out. I hit some nice little props. Uh, which isn't really my strong suit. So um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm i up 65 bucks. Right. So we're going to count it. No bed frame, <laughs> no fridge. Well, we're going <laughs> to fucking count it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do need to ask your thoughts because of my own personal curiosity on Rob Font and Cheeto Vera. There was yeah. certainly a lot to unpack in that main event. 
Yeah, I mean, wh- what the fuck is Tito made of? I mean, Jesus. I mean, yeah. he took 200 shots and a mark on him, and he landed some big shots on Fawn. Fawn, Fawn, great. Fawn landed over 200 strikes. The problem was, is you guys mentioned it earlier, he just kept getting hurt. And Cheeto, that's what Cheeto does, man. He's a, you know, I think the one big weapon of him is his eyes, is his visuals. He can cover up. He can shell up, take some good shots, take stuff on the elbow, and he reads you, and he's got dangerous kicks. That that freaking Shawn Michaels goddamn sweet chin music put him down. I thought that was it. I thought that was a wrap. Then the knee, yeah, yeah. and then uh, that left hand was active all night. I mean, it's a beautiful performance by Cheeto. It's a guy that – um, ever since before the O'Malley fight, I definitely slept on. I'm like, he's a good guy, but how good is he? And then right. he just walked through O'Malley, who I have really high regard for. And I'm like, oh, this dude's a fucking G. I like yeah. this guy. Yeah. Um, but props to Font. I mean, Font is, I mean, he could have walked out of there. He could have quit. He looked like he totally. had two broken orbitals. Yep. The guy's tough as nails. It was very competitive. It just came down to him getting hurt at the end of those rounds. And you got to think maybe if, if, you know, the weight cut had an issue with that. Maybe he came with an injury. There's a lot of question marks. And uh, usually weight cuts don't scare me off of bets. But when he slipped on the scale and he looked kind of shaky at the stare downs, that's when I'm like, I got to get off this guy. I think something was going on. I don't know if you ever come out and say it, but yeah. didn't look good. But uh, good for Cheeto. Is that the first miss for Font at 35? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting when you talk about all the strikes being landed because I don't know the true accuracy of those numbers. All I know is that it's a human being calling them out, mm-hmm. uh, calling them out as a broadcaster and the person who's counting them, you know? So it's like, yeah, you could go back and watch it, but um, I don't know. I think I'm more inclined sometimes as a play-by-play guy to call it as a land than a block. And you try yeah. to watch it as closely as you can, but all right, let's move it forward, fellas. First fight for us today. One of my favorites on what is now a 15 fight card, chaos Williams minus 135. Rude boy, Randy Brown is plus 115. And I think both of these guys, to my eyes, are better than even you think they are. Like, they really mm-hmm. are players. Brown's won four of five, coming into his own. And Chaos at 28, Bri, is just an absolute force. Very curious to see on which side you're going to fall. Who do you have here, Chaos Williams and Randy Brown? Banger alert. Way to start off the pickums here. I mean, the guy's name's Chaos. I don't know if that's legally, if he legally changed his name, but we're off to a goddamn good start. Um, I thought he fall short in the UFC. I, I remember him coming in and he's he's a Michigan guy, so he's a little north of me. And I remember kind of looking up at him and seeing, and I just thought, you know, he's a little stiff, very powerful, but his striking wasn't super fluid. His kicks were very like rigid. Obviously, he has tons of power, but gosh, that power is something else. I mean, his cardio checks out, he's physically big. Um, but I just didn't know how he would stack up. So I was kind of dead wrong because he's looked pretty good besides that one that one miss in the UFC, which was a competitive fight over Michelle Pereira. And then Rubor Brown's a guy who's been up and down the UFC. You know, he's had mixed UFC career, choppy, uh, but he's huge for 170. And the biggest issue with him, I think, is two things. I think it's his confidence, number one, and a little bit of a chin issue as well. You know, he, he's been knocked out a few times. I think that maybe was a drastic weight cut to 70 because he's a big guy. I think he'll probably finish his career at 85. Um, but he's 31 now. Looks like he's kind of got everything dialed in, and he looks so good against Jaron Gooden last time out. Night Train, which one of the all-time great nicknames. And um, oh, yeah. but he was styling on him. You know what I mean? He was shuffling his feet, throwing kicks. He like broke his foot. His dad was in the audience for the first time, yeah. and he looked good. This could be chaos taking another head, or this could be Randy Brown fighting smart because I think he has the advantage on the ground. We haven't really seen chaos off his back. I think Randy Brown has some tricky. He is a black, but I know he has some tricky arm locks. 
Um, decent little chokes as well. So I'm going to go Ruboy because he's the underdog and also because I think he's the more well-rounded guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if Chaos just takes his head clean off because Brown has been knocked out. Official pick is Randy Brown by submission. Randy Brown by submission for Brian Petrie. Ken Flo, I'm glad I don't have to make a selection. You do. Who do you have? Uh, this is this is going to be a great fight. Um, you know, I, I kind of have the same assessment uh, that Brian does. I think chaos um, is very dangerous. All it takes is one shot. Um, but I, I still think, you know, while he has, you know, gotten better as a striker, I still think he still think he's a little tight uh, and tends to load up and, and telegraph what he's doing. I think Randy Brown uh, is definitely taking the approach of he wants to be a great mixed martial artist. He's trying to be better in all areas. You can see that he seems way more focused. He seems way more uh, comfortable. Uh, in the octagon now. Um, and I think he's streaking at the right time. I like Randy Brown um, here as well. Uh, I think his length and I think his uh, MMA IQ is going to be the difference here. Uh, not sure he gets a finish. Uh, can he? Absolutely. Um, he's got to avoid those big bombs, but I think Randy Brown, rude boy, gets it done. Beautiful <laughs> Jamaican it. pronunciation. Nailed it. Not nice the guy. Not the guy. <laughs> Very interesting. I think... Uh, Chaos Williams might uh might surprise you guys a little bit. Ooh, yeah. that's dangerous. a pick. That's a pick from he's John. Dangerous. John the Sharp. Yep. Yeah. I love Randy Brown though. He's probably my favorite New Yorker on the roster. Like Cody writes, Anik needs a Longo Weidman MMA tattoo. Like I'm gonna get a New York gym <laughs> tattoo logo on my body. I mean, fucking <laughs> no. Uh, all right. At lightweight, we're gonna have Ken Flo lead us off here. Donald Cowboy Cerrone minus one seventy. Joe Lozon is plus one fifty. Very interesting fight here between two UFC veterans. 38th UFC star for Cerrone, whose last win came against Raging Ally Quinta all the way back in May of 2019. He is 39 years of age. On the other side, Joe Lozon fights, you know, on an average of once every couple of years right now. As some of you know, he headlined against Kenny Florian all the way back in 2008 and got fucking destroyed is what my <laughs> script says. He did. It's true. What? And flow. I mean, there's some people who are new listeners who maybe don't know about your oh, career, and they can gosh. go to ufcfightpass.com and Google UFC Fight Night, Broom, Broomfield, Colorado, at altitude. Ken Flo and Joe Lozon, and Joe finally took the ice off his forehead last weekend. All right, sorry, but Lozon's still going strong. It's now 2022, and if oh he listens to this before our fighter meeting, he's going. He's going to kill you. Uh, uh, <laughs> So his last appearance, though, was like a high-quality win, Kenny, and a stoppage of yeah. Jonathan Pierce, JSP, who looks fucking awesome since. Mm -hmm. um, but that was almost three years ago. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Lowe's on Cerrone, Cerrone the favorite. Yeah, this is interesting, man. You know, uh, obviously, both these guys at the tail end of their careers, right? Um, you know, I don't think Cerrone's won a fight since May 2019. Uh, you know, it's been a little while. Uh, good to see Joe get back on track. Uh, it's fascinating also because Cerrone, again, I'm, I'm just, everybody kind of knows this, tends to be a slow starter. Joe Lozon tends to be a, a fast starter, likes to get right after it. And I think that's his best chance here against Cerrone is go right after him, look for that takedown, look for those crazy flurries early on uh, and, and try to take him out early. I, I, that, that tends to be what Lozon does anyway. 
Um, and I think that's where Cerrone really needs to be careful here. Wouldn't be surprised if Lozon gets it done, um, you know, in round one. Cerrone tends to make adjustments um, a little bit later. Once he gets in his rhythm, watch out. Cerrone puts together beautiful combinations when he's in his rhythm. Uh, when he's able to stop takedowns, he, you know, kind of builds his confidence from there. Uh, so I'm curious to see how it goes. It, both guys have been in some crazy fights, Cerrone more so, and Lozon has been in a lot of wars, but Cerrone, of course, has been in all the wars. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know how much damage these guys can take. Um, if it comes down to that, I, maybe Lozon can take more. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so this is a tricky one for me. But I'm going to go uh, the way of Joe Lozon. Um, I, I think he gets it done maybe by TKO, maybe by submission uh, early. Uh, if not, wouldn't be surprised if Cerrone you know, gets a win uh, by stoppage himself, maybe with the TKO on the feet or something. But uh, let's go Joe Lozon uh, here against Cerrone. All right, Cam Flo likes the dog. Joe Lozon plus 150. Bri, what do you have, sir? I felt like just a, a fan again, just watching Kenny absolutely destroy that breakdown there. <laughs> Way to go, Ken. Uh, listen, uh, the Leg Legends division, this is what this fight is. is there's, there's been talks about the Legends division. I would love to see Ken Flo hop into Legends and take a fucking neck home with them. One more time, Kenny. Um, if Kenny was born in 1984 instead yeah. of the year he was born. Yeah. I'm not going to say, right. but, right. you know. Because, like, even Lozon, like, you're a lot, yeah. you're a lot, a lot older, Joe, you know. Yeah. Anyway, and he's like, old. thanks. Yeah, we're all. <laughs> I still think Kenny can get it done. And it's kind of <laughs> odd to look at Cowboys record and see all this red because the guy was, you know, he's high profile fight. And he's in, and he's had a crazy skid. Five losses, four of them coming by finish, which is a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. The Morono fight was the one that kind of shocked me. I, I had him in the Morono fight. Now, no disrespect to Alex Morono, but Cowboy just not want to be there. He looked, I know he's a slow starter. I know he's has overcome some um, nervousness before fights. He's talked about it, which I think is great. The mental health side of things, which is an awesome thing to talk about, but he just did not look like he wanted to be there. Joe Lozai, the pride of Rocks and Mass, uh, this dude's debut came against Jens Pulver slapped him, made me go absolutely apeshit in my room, flipped my bed over, couldn't believe it because I held Jens Pulver in very high regard. Um, and then obviously one of Kenny's former victims, I don't want to talk about that. John already covered that. But uh, his inconsistency has been the biggest problem with Lozon. He's probably the longest tenor, uh, guy, tenor uh, guy at the UFC that hasn't had a title shot. Because he wins a big one, then he loses a big one. and um, But he's coming off a huge win over Jonathan Pierce, who hasn't lost the UFC since and has looked amazing. That was back in 2019. Yeah. We all thought maybe he's going to retire. He's not. You know, he just kind of gave a speech and left it open-ended. I think it's winnable for both guys. I think, obviously, Cowboy needs to stay at range. There was kicks. Lozon is susceptible to high kicks in the past. Lozon, like Kenny mentioned, just he blitzes for you. He's a one-round fighter, I think, at this point. And I don't mean that in disrespect. He can swarm you. He can get on top of you. After that, after that first round, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. I think this is a great live betting spot here um, because I think Cowboy, the longer the fight goes, I do think he's going to take over. But we've seen Cowboy get put out in the first round pretty quick. Slow starter versus fast starter. You're giving me a dog. I'm taking Lozon by KO. All right, both guys aligned at least through a couple fights. We move along now, also on pay-per-view, a light heavyweight rematch between Ovin St. Preux, minus 240, and Mauricio Shogun, who a plus 195. Bri, we will go right back to you on this one. First meeting went to St. Preux. Your thoughts on Shogun here as the dog in the rematch? 
the single best editing job anyone's ever done is when they threw that skateboard in there. It. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing. It's absolute gold. I can't believe Shogun's 40, guys. I mean, he must have been fighting in pride when he was, what, 12, 13 years old? I mean, yeah. I feel like this guy's been around forever. He had a nice little run there. You know, between 2016, 2020, he was beating some guys. But, you know, the, the competition was kind of catered to him a little bit. You know, that's no disrespect. He did have a good, a couple good wins in there. But, you know, there's no disrespect in Shogun on my watch. I want to keep this short and sweet. I think OSP is going to get this done. He's popped up the heavyweight. He's a huge guy. Uh, I think he needs to get some juice back here, and, and you know, with, with two back-to-back losses here. So I like OSP by KO. Don't know if it's going to happen in the first round, but I like OSP by KO. Ken Flo Shogun is a man. He's 40. Last appearance, December, excuse me, November of 2020, UFC 255. He was stopped by Paul Bearju Craig. There it is. So about an 18-month layoff for uh, for Shogun. Your thoughts on him here against St. Peru? John, you are right. Shogun is a man. He is, um, he is that last time I checked. Yeah, he he just listen, dude. He's he's such a legend. Um, again, I always go back to 2005, where I was at peak Shogun fanboy level. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. everything he was doing and, and pride and getting a chance to meet him and train with him and his brother was so cool. Those little um, shorts but, and everything I know. Yeah, everything and everything about it. Yeah, it was it was nice. Good legs. Um I he he's he's been around a long time, man. You know, he I, I was excited and then I realized, oh, wait a sec, Shogun's been fighting a really long time. I hope that it's something where you know, he feels good physically, mentally, spiritually, where he's like, no, I want to go back there. I want to beat this dude who knocked me out. I, I hope that's the case. I-, I assume that's the case. You know, is his body healthy after a training camp and all that stuff? I don't know. I, I hope he's taking maybe a smarter approach to his training camp. Um, and OSP is a guy that, you know, he's he's always been dangerous. Um, I'm not sure I've ever been on the OSP train necessarily uh, just because of his inconsistency. Even within rounds, I feel like he'll do some amazing stuff and he'll do some like stuff that could really get him hurt badly. Um, And I'm not sure he is necessarily hungry at this stage of his career. I I think he might be competing to to get a check. I I, I don't I hope that's not the case um, because physically he's very talented, um, but technically I'm not sure he really came around the way I thought he was going to. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. And, um, you know, it, it's an interesting fight. Um, but, you know, I think OSP has the advantage here. Um, you know, for Shogun, you know, I, I just think he's fought way too much. And I think physically OSP is going to be better. I think he's going to be uh, more comfortable in that octagon at this stage. And, um, you know, I, I yeah, this is a tough one for me. I'm not sure I really want to see it, but uh, yeah. let's go OSP here. And I think you may be onto something with St. Peru. Like, I think we'll be able to glean a lot from him during fight week in the fighter meeting in terms of where his hunger right. for the preparation is at, you know? Right. Because I just don't know that the championship hunger is there, and I hope to be wrong, you know? But fight week is a, a pretty wide lens into where these fighters are at in terms of the uh, the motivation and the preparation. All right. Michael Chandler, minus 410 in a featured lightweight bout here against Tony Ferguson, who comes back at plus 310. You know, Ferguson's a legend in my mind. Anyone who's listened to this show knows that. I'll say it again. He won 12 straight fights at 155 pounds. Still didn't fight for the undisputed title because of all these crazy circumstances. Um, you know, I feel a kinship with Michael Chandler on the other side as well. I, I have a personal friendship with him. And, uh, 
you know, I know someone's going to lose this fight. The odds makers suggest that it's going to be Tony Ferguson, Bry. His last win came against Donald Cerrone. That was three years ago at UFC 238. Uh, Michael Chandler, 36 as of a couple days ago. Um, busy first year in the UFC, largely productive, but he has lost two in a row um, despite a lot of uh, fanfare with his last fight. What are your thoughts here? Bri, we will lead with you on this one. Uh, Tony Ferguson, plus 310. Michael Chandler, minus 410. I mean, it's a dream fight for a lot of MMA fans right now. I mean, this is, I mean, everyone has a circle this fight tonight. No way, no way. I'll bet my house is not going to be a boring fight. But here's the, here's the brutal truth, right? Uh, Chandler has more skills flat out. He just does. Tony has been exposed in the grappling, in my opinion, his past two times out. And that's something that he was really relying on and heavy on. You know, I'm, no one can take me down. That's a direct quote from him working with Eddie Bravo and everything. But Chandler needs to dust off that D1 singlet. I love the go to wars with Michael Chandler's or Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. I love the wars, but we need to start winning fights if you're, if you're Michael Chandler. You know what I mean? We need to start getting the fights won. And I think he can do that. He mixes it up. He's got great leg kicks. I mean, people, that's something really big in his game and the other organization. He mixes up his strikes well. He wrestles, but not too much because he has a tendency to slow down. And that's the one thing that's not going away with Tony. Tony's not slowing down. Now, I never thought I'd be talking about Tony Ferguson on a three-fight losing streak because like John mentioned earlier, he was on a 12-fight winning streak for one period of time. But Again, going to be brutally honest, and, and I don't, you know, I am willing to say this to Tony Ferguson's face, no matter what the uh, outcome may be. But I don't love his post fight comments after his after each loss. I think there's been some built in excuses. I think he's training with with some guys that are probably he leads the training camp. He does what he wants to do, and and I know he's left some coaches in the past, and I just think he needs a coach to sit him down and say, hey, listen, let's put the fucking baseball down, let's take the glasses <laughs> off. <laughs> and let's get to work here um, because, you know, the wrestling has been exposed. Benil, but it's not like he's losing the scrubs. Don't get me wrong. He's losing the high-level guys, but I just don't love the way he's approached it. Now, he's been a little quiet. I've scrubbed the social media. I You know, you have to decipher his texting or his tweets because they're not in English, right. really. Right. But I just don't like his mental coming in this fight, and I just don't know if he's changed enough. And I love Tony Fergus, and I wish he would have maybe not changed camps, but maybe changed – and maybe he has. Maybe I'm completely speaking out of turn here. But I would love to take Tony at that number because I think, you know, he's willing to go in there and he's willing to die in there. Few fighters are. But Michael Chandler has all the tools to win here. I think he puts on a good display. I think he's going to fight smart. I think he's going to come out, wrestle a little bit because the game plan's there. I like Chandler by decision here, even though it's a, it's a pretty big number. Ken Flo, I mentioned like with a guy like Oban St. Preux, I'll probably be able to extract some things out of him. With Ferguson, I'm not so sure. You know, you yeah. might get out of that fighter meeting and not even know exactly who his primary coaches or training partners were. Um, but I just hope that he sort of showcases himself well, win or lose. What are yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, me too, man. Uh, brilliant stuff there from Brian Petrie. But... Michael Chandler's not fighting smart. Come on, he doesn't. He's not fighting <laughs> hey. smart. Who are you kidding? Come on, man. He had he had the opportunity to do that in the first three fights. I yep. I don't know. I I think I keep thinking that too. You know, I thought that for the first three fights. You know, listen, Chandler. He's been around. He wants to be a champ here. He's going to take the approach. Like, wh what was he doing in the Charles Oliveira fight? What was he followed him on the ground? Like, come on, right. man. And then you know, seeing some of his comments on Twitter and stuff, and how he. You know, he, he really um, loves just going out there to deliver fights for the fans, which is cool. That's fine. And, uh, and um, that's that's his goal. You just can't expect to win fights that way every single time out. And, and we're seeing a skid because of it. But I do think this is one of those fights where potentially he could take that approach and still win this fight. Um, why? Because Tony Ferguson isn't 
what he used to be. He doesn't have the same um, kind of chin and like, you know, Terminator 2, walk through everything right, that's thrown right. your way and ju- then just destroy you. Um, so, yeah, so I, I like this fight. I, I think Chandler wins this as well. Um, I think there's some value on Tony here, I think. But, um, you know, both these guys have been in so many crazy fights at this point. Um, so and and both kind of tend to just uh, throw the dice when they fight. Um, I, I yeah. don't see that necessarily changing here for Chandler, but I just think Chandler uh, is more powerful. I think he's faster. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, I, you know, both guys as mentally tough as they come, both studs, um, you know, Hall of Fame type careers. Um, so I like this fight. I think this is a fight that makes sense. Yeah. But really, if we're looking at this fight, it's like who's taking more damage, who's going to fight smarter, um, w- which makes it tricky. But but I think Chandler here as well. You think he knocks him out? <sighs> no I don't think he. I don't think he knocks him out cold. Uh, if he wins, maybe TKO. Yeah. You know, something yeah. like that. But yeah. All right, co-main event. I'm I'm curious to hear the handicap here. Strawweight title fight. Rose Namajunas minus one ninety five on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Carla Esparza plus one sixty five. Esparza has really earned this chance to become a two time UFC strawweight champion. It's very hard to win five straight fights at one hundred and fifteen pounds in the UFC. She beat Vina Janjidoba, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Waterson, Marina Rodriguez, and then stopped Yan Xiaonan about a year ago. That was May of 2021. Kind of bided her time, finally rewarded with the title shot. Now, the first time these two fought, it was for the inaugural strawweight title. It was 2014. It was the year in which this division was introduced in the UFC. Um, and Nama Yunus was 2-1 and one as a pro. She was 22 years old. Now she's a 29-year-old world beater, future Hall of Famer, and yet the price is only minus 195. Now, perhaps there's some big gap in MMA wrestling that I am missing here. Um, this is not prediction time for me. I'm just surprised at the number, Brian. Your thoughts on the Strawway Championship fight and ultimately how you see it playing out. First off, Cody, if we can get like the NBA jams, he's on fire on Kenny's little window here because the guy is on fire today. Jeez, he's trying to he, soften me up. He's trying gotta, to win it. Gotta, hold on. Let me, let me stretch it out here, boys. All right. Uh, listen, John, you can't be further uh, more right. Um, excuse me. You're right. Um, I think Carla is one of the most disrespected fighters in the division, and I thought we were going to get a huge number on her. Um, this is the toughest fight for me to predict on the card. I love this fight. I, I, I hold both female fighters in really high regard. Carla's an OG. She's fucking beating everyone. I know a lot of these are close. She's been an underdog darling a lot. She's been very yeah. friendly to my wallet. And Rose is just an adorable, sweet, smart, talented killer in there. And it's it's nice. She's a good face for the division. Now, both these girls have fought the who's who. but And, and I really did think we were going to get Carla north of 200. Plus 165 scares me a little bit because it's the value there. Am I going to be a value boy? But Rose won at this fight, which I love. There's a lot of rumors after the Ray Lee rematch that Carla wasn't going to get it. And Rose was like, no, no, no. This is who I want because she beat her. That's a competitive edge. I love that shit. She got me back in 2014. Let me get the back now that I'm champ. I'm now a four-round fighter. But Rose hasn't really fought anybody on her record that fights like Carla. Carla is a good wrestler, good grappler. We saw Rose grapple Wei Li in the rematch. Very close. Rose has Jiu-Jitsu. The only person you can compare to is Andrade. In the first fight, she got slammed on her head. So it's, we, we didn't really get to see much. In the second fight, they or they stood up the whole time, and it was an arguably very, very close fight. Carla 
I think she's training smart. She's on, you know, I think she had a little couple blips early in her career. The Reno Marcos fight is a very ugly loss for her. But other than that, right now, this current win streak is, is super impressive. And I'm so torn on this fight because I like Rose a lot. Great person, everything I addressed earlier. But Carla's a dog and she matches up really well with Rose. And I think there, there's two tales of this fight. And I'm gonna break it down as, as simply as I can. Rose is a better striker. Carla knows that. I think Rose thinks that her jujitsu is going to be okay off her back because she does have very good jujitsu. I don't know if she can win the fight off her back. I don't know if she can catch anything on Carla. So with that being said, and new boys, give me Carla by decision. Woo! Yeah! Big gun Brian Petrie likes Carla Esparza to become a two-time UFC strawweight champion. All about matchups. I wish I get a juicier price. And so Bri mentioned that Rose Namajunas had a healthy appetite for this fight and kind of called her shot as the champion wanting this matchup. Now, part of that is the revenge factor, but I also think she likes the matchup. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the matchup that Brian does not believe is super favorable for the incumbent champion? Get rid of the big gun. Give me big chills. That was nice. I like huh. it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm even more excited about this fight uh, after hearing that. And I know exactly why Brian is going that way because guess what? I don't think Rose is going to be able to get up off of her back. And I don't think uh, Carla throws herself off position that much once she settles into a guard. Like, you know, in the transition, that's where she has to be careful. That's where Rose is most dangerous, you know, transition in between positions. But once they settle into position, Carla is going to keep you on your back and she's going to beat you up and she's going to chip away and be annoying and be frustrating. Uh, and that is very tiring uh, on you. Can't she do it consistently? I don't know. The problem is, is Carla, uh, you know, is still very rough when it comes to the stand-up game. You know, she makes a lot of mistakes there. She's very vulnerable there. Um, but there's no question that she can win this fight. So I totally see it. I think there's value there. I just think Rose is going to be a little smarter uh, this time around. Of course, I, I remember. Did we call the first fight between Esparza we and, did. and we Rose? Did. Yeah. Um, when we were much closer to our primes, much fucking better looking. Yes, you know, much better I mean, 22 looking. year old girls. Not that they were looking at me in 2014, but they're really not fucking looking at me now. You know, <laughs> no, hey, like they are not checking. Yeah. yeah, John, I got real quick. I got to tell you this because when my wife met you at Columbus, she would have killed me if I told you this in person. Back in 2013, when we got together, you did an interview. She goes, "Who's that guy in the cage?" I go, "Oh, the fighter." And I start breaking. No, no, the guy interviewing him. I was like, "Oh, that's John H. Like, he's super hot." So ah, you got a fan. Johnny. They still got it. Yeah, Dude, still there's, got there's a it, John. There's a there's a market for the uh, the soft <laughs> hair. Dude. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a market. market for there's a market, market for that. Rose feet yeah. and the fucking my daughter now says like, wow, you you have like a hook nose. You look like you have like a witch nose, daddy. Thanks, honey, because my nose never stops growing. They're so very sure honest, aren't they? They're years. very honest. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going Rose, dude. I'm going with Rose Namajunas. I think she gets it done, um, but uh, I, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm a little <laughs> nervous than you were at the outset yeah, of the program. Yeah, I, yeah. but I, I think Rose, Rose, um, I, I think it would be to her advantage to try to finish this one. I think if it goes to decision, it's it's going to be tricky. Yeah. All right, main event for the Undisputed UFC Lightweight Championship, Charles Oliveira, one of the greatest fighters in UFC history in terms of what he's put on paper. Minus 165 here, the favorite in what I believe is his second title defense against the plus 145 Safford, Arizona native Justin Gaethje. I believe this arena is about 165 miles from where Gaethje went to high school. 
He's going to have a lot of the crowd behind him, you would think. Oliveira's got a pretty good American fan base as well, though, Bri, especially given all of his recent success. We need a prediction on the UFC yes. lightweight championship. Who do you have? Okay. Hang on a second, boys. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, Is that the over-the-top like, move? Is like, that the Stallone, Lincoln Hawk? Like, like Stallone and over-the-top, I got to get prepared because <laughs> full disclosure – I don't even know who I'm picking. I'm just going to break it down, and I'm going to see where it goes. This wow. fight has given me goosebumps since it's been announced. I mean, literally, the nuts and the bolts of the fight to the simplest terms is Gaethje has a power advantage on paper, and Oliveira definitely has a ground advantage. That's what you think. I think Gaethje got exposed by Khabib, and that scares me. Khabib is great on the ground. I mean, Khabib's the GOAT, right? So it's really hard to say he got exposed when you go to the Khabib. But we never really seen Gaethje get taken down. We never really seen him get held down. And when he did, he gave up a triangle fairly easily. And that kind of scares me because Oliveira's got a whole mantle at home full of arms, necks, and legs. So if this goes to the ground, this is a problem. The big knock on Oliveira, and those knocks were coming from me because I picked against him his last two fights, was, oh, you know, he doesn't, you know, he quits and he's not tough. And, you know, because we've seen him in the past or whatever. That was fucking forever ago. He's on a 10-fight win streak, asshole. Wake up. This guy is legit. And uh, he's arguably proved it. I mean, I mean, he has proved it. I mean, the, the, um, Michael Chandler fight, that was a close 10-8 round. Michael Chandler all over him. Didn't fight the smartest fight. Oliver comes back, knocks him out. Poirier, one of the best finishers in the division, boxes him up in that first round, comes back and submits him. Oliver as well. Do you remember back when he was fighting? He was begging it to go to 45. Every time he fought at 55, he's like, UFC, let me go back to 45. It's like, dude, no, you're killing it at 55. Couldn't make 45. He is filled out. He is bricked up. I've been following him. He's been in America for a while, and he looks good. But I love me some Justin Gaethje. I love me some gut Justin Gaethje. Pure violence, man. But he is a smart guy. If you go back to the Tony Ferguson fight, genius game plan. No one has seen anyone do that to Tony. And I'm a huge Trevor Whitman guy. If I was not a lazy, fat capper and 15 years younger, I moved to Colorado and sleep outside of Trevor Whitman's gym until he let me in. I mean, that's what I would do because I think this guy, he's – the coach I would want his style. Everything's about that. So Justin fighting home, which Cody and I were texting. Cody thinks it could be sorry to expose you. Cody could thinks it, be, it might be a hindrance fighting in Arizona. You know, I know it's not directly in his hometown, but you know, he's got fans there. Yeah. And then the Oliveira, you know, he's playing some mind games today. I'm going to stand up with Gage, you know, going to the ground. I can stand up with this guy. He's stand up with his past two opponents. Why not? Obviously, he can stand up with Gaethje. Gaethje has the power, and, and I think Oliveira has a little bit cleaner striking, has more uh, tools. Gaethje has good leg kicks, good hooks, and is aggressive. But Gaethje looks super lean to me, too. So that means to tell me he's wrestling. And I play a game with my kids. It's called The Floor is Lava. And oh, yeah. Justin, The Floor is Lava, my friend. Do not yeah. fucking go near the floor. And with that being said, and new again, give me Gaethje Bekeo. Oh. God damn it. God damn it. I did, wow. it. I, did it. I did it. Not happy about it, Charles but I did it. <laughs> Don't call him Oliveda, our yeah. producer Cody. I wish I could fire Cody for calling him Oliveda, but he's too good and I need him too bad. <laughs> but, uh, Ken Flo, I understand Dude. why Brian maybe sees some value on Justin Gaethje at plus 145. I don't have any idea who's going to win this fight. So maybe the dog makes some sense. Um, but there's just no way that I would walk up to a window right now with my hot earned American dollars and bet against Charles Oliveira in current form. Um, how do you see the main event playing out? I've studied, I've watched tape, I've meditated right. on top of a mountain, and I still <laughs> don't know. No, I yeah. mean I, I do know. I, I just I, I don't feel confident in it because you know Gaethje is an absolute killer. Oliveira has uh, you know, all the skills in the world. 
Um, I think like Brian, um, you know, I think I doubted his heart a little bit, uh, maybe his chin, uh, that, um, obviously has been put to bed that he, he is a completely different fighter. And for anyone who's a manager, a coach or a fighter for that matter, who wants to learn like how to rebuild or actually how to build your career and take the right fights, um, you know, to give you, uh, that path to a championship, um, look at the, the, look at the Charlie olives, uh, you know, model, yeah, uh, that's yeah. a beautiful blueprint, but, um, you know, the way he has rebuilt himself is, is tremendous. Uh, he's the more skillful guy. I think, um, he has more ways to win by finish than Gaethje. Um, Gaethje's hooks are a problem. Um, I, I think Gaethje, uh, goading you into exchanges in the pocket is a big time problem. And I think that, uh, Charles is going to be too smart for that. Um, I, I think he's going to use a lot of his long range tools, um, his Muay Thai approach and how he uses that lead leg and, uh, the roundhouse kick to keep you on the outside and how he's able to get to the clinch now and actually be a threat from that over under position or from those, uh, double underhooks. Um, I, I think he's just better everywhere, you know, um, and he can jump on your back at any, at any point during that fight. Um, so he gets you thinking about his striking uh, and then he gets his grappling going. He gets you thinking about his grappling and then he gets his striking going. And boy, is he technical. Doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes these days. He's tough as hell. Um, Gaethje scares me. Um, you know, he's a guy that can knock knock you out for sure. Uh, and he has a knack for getting you to trade with him. Um, but um, I, I don't I don't think uh, Charles is going to play that game. Um, I like Oliveira here as well. Or actually, no, you went you went with uh, Gaethje. I, I like Oliveira here. Uh, don't know if he he gets the finish, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the win by sub. All right, we have dissension on both title fights with Brian Petrie and Kenny Florian. For more content from BP throughout the week at MMA Takes Podcast. Shout out to Darren the Damage Elkins, by the way. Oh, the Forgot damage. to mention him. Couldn't finish the show. I mean, I remember. I missed. I missed the fight. He won. Oh, oh, yeah. so good, he Kenny. Did. It was Dude, so good. Yeah. Was it another Elkins like performance where he yeah. came back? Or? Yeah. No, he didn't well, have to rally. Right. No, yeah. he didn't have to rally. He just dominated the whole time. Yeah, it was. I mean, Tristan Conley showed up too. It was. It was. It was more of an Elkins fight where Elkins didn't bleed till the third round. But okay. it was. It was more of like wrestling grappling scrambles it was it was a fun fight it was a really wow. good fight yeah i remember That's like awesome. four years ago somebody posted this and kenny will probably recall this you know but it was like here's a live shot of darren elkins's brain and it was a bowl of pudding right <laughs> right right and you know <laughs> look at him now though man yeah. you know it's like i know he's absorbed a lot of damage no pun intended but look yeah. at him four years later still winning I, fights and he's I good tweeted he's a good fighter I tweeted out that he was the human catcher's mitt just because the guy just takes yeah, a beat. Yeah. He's just durable. Yeah. He's there. He's going to yeah. be there for you. Oh, speaking Crazy. of being there for you, that's you, buddy. Appreciate you answering the Let's bell go, on boys. a Sunday. Have a good work go. weekend. Uh, we will talk to you next week in advance of uh, another UFC fight night, my man. Absolutely, boys. My pleasure. Have a good one. Big chills. Right, Thank you. Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. All right. Our final order of business. This guy's going to be coming with the heat today, I think. For the Marrow seconds, he's heard his name drop several times over the course of the show. A lot of people have taken shots at you, waywardly or otherwise, today. So, how are you? How are you, Cody? Oh, well, I just stepped away. Did I miss something? Do I still have a job? Am I good? Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> should have changed my shirt too. I mean, I came here prepared. I get thrown on the bus by Ray and the chicken pound. I mean, come on. 
How you doing? Jeez. All right. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How about you guys? You guys good? You guys prepared for it a nice great. Pay-per-view week? Great. Oh, it's gonna Arizona be dropping some breaking news. Bilal Muhammad's gonna be on the weigh-in show on Friday. I mean, wow. Doesn't get that? and you're gonna be with Aljo. I mean, where's my ticket? What the hell is this? Hey, man. Everyone's in. Say Phoenix. the word. Say the word. Yeah. Um, the marrow seconds as we close out the program. What did we miss? Anything good on the way out, my man? So just to put a bow on Kalyar Arlovsky, uh, not a single submitted card on MMADecisions.com was for Arlovsky. Every oh, single wow. one was for Kalyar. Eighty-two percent of the fan vote. So everyone that wasn't related to Andre Arlovsky or trains <laughs> ATT was essentially voting that. Collier won that fight, which I thought just watching that fight when you're showing, how can you even justify showing clips of him when he's 185 pounds? Like, yeah, the face looks the same, but he looks like his, his like younger brother or something. Like they don't look like the same guy. Well, and he eats fairly cleanly too. Don't, there's laugh. no way that's true. <laughs> there, come on. There's no way that that is accurate. If, if he eats cleanly, he eats cleanly for three people. Cause there's no way, <laughs> but I, I thought he was impressed. I thought he looked good. I mean, uh, Arlovsky just keeps kicking though. Yeah. So, uh, till Hermanson is slated for July 23rd. I believe that's official for London. Wow, um, so that, that's a three rounder taking right. place. Under, uh, get back on the horse. Under Aspinall and uh, Blades, which Curtis Blades, I don't know if you guys saw it, Twitter was blowing up with Curtis Blades' tweets last week. I don't know why, yeah, but I don't he was. That's pretty wild. Um, so that's interesting. Till hasn't fought in the UK in three years. Since he got murked by Masvidal, is that right? Uh, I believe so, yes. That's that's uh, not an exactly a nice way to put it, John. Huh? I love Darren Till. One of my favorite people in this sport. Hopefully he's not listening to uh, episode 347. <laughs> Uh, well, so hopefully people are watching. Remember the show. And if you didn't last week, you missed Macy Barber announcing she's going to fight Jessica. I at UFC 276. I think it was like 20 minutes after they had officially announced it. So you get some breaking news there. Uh, she's stepping in for Casey O'Neill, who tore her ACL. So you hate to see that out of a prospect, yeah, but love that's Casey a hell of a O'Neill fight. Too, yeah. Yep. Uh, and also, I think Cheeto watches because on Remember the Show, I said that at what point is durability not an ability? And Cheeto went out and showed me that that doesn't exist for him. Durability is an ability for Cheeto Vera. So um, thanks for Cheeto for watching the fight. Yeah. Well, and by the way, I just want to add to that, you know, Dean Thomas did say on the broadcast um, that a good defense can beat a good offense and oftentimes will. And I thought it was well put, you know, in terms of Cheeto sort of, you know, weaponizing his defense in some way, shape or form. Well, and I thought the quote he was looking for was the best offense is a good defense, not, I forget what he said, but it's a a legendary quote. Um, I'm going to skip around here just because of what you said. So another thing that Dean Thomas – so I was going to say that tough season 30 starts May 3rd if you're into that. Um, But one thing that Dean Thomas did say uh, in the post fight for ESPN about Charles Oliveira, or Charles Oliveira, I guess, as I have to say it to stay on this program, that the hard thing about Charles is that he does always get hit once. And the question is, is against Gaethje, can you afford to get hit yeah, once? Fair. I think that was a very astute point by Dean, even if his stylist wasn't very astute on the post-fight show. <laughs> uh, so I just want to make the case to close this out for Charles Oliveira to be in the Hall of Fame, regardless of how the outcome comes next week. Most finishes in UFC history, 18. Most submission wins in UFC history, 15. He's second in total sub-attempts with 38. And number one atop that list is Jim Miller, who is still in the UFC, mm-hmm. rattling away submission attempts. He's tied for the first bonuses in the UFC with Donald Cerrone at 18. 
So very interesting. They're going to battle it out for a bonus this weekend. And he is one of only two fighters in UFC history with over half of their wins by submission, 52% or 15 of 29. The other one, do you, do you want to venture a guess? Yeah, no. Fuck. He just fought last weekend, uh, GM3. Oh, oh wow. uh, yeah, that's that makes right. Uh, and promises made, promises kept. Uh, Dustin Poirier did promise to donate to help people in uh, Charles Rivera's uh, favela or neighborhood or whatever. So he did supply a $20,000 check last week to Instituto de Charles du Bronx. Nice. Good stuff. Good on Dustin Poirier. That's a good egg right there. Um, and I will leave you with this, Kenny. I don't know if you saw this during the prelim portion when gifted Gabe Green beat Johan Lanus, but I did not. So Gabe Green was basically legally blind for his whole career. And he basically pulled out of a fight last October with Dwight Grant in some part because he got this PRK procedure done on his eyes. Now, Mm -hmm. you can't get LASIK and be a fighter, but you can get PRK. I think maybe it takes a little bit longer to heal. Um, But so Gabe Green said that he, before this procedure, if you threw car keys at him, not only would he not catch them, he couldn't even recognize that they were car keys, right? right? So he said that his style as a pressure fighter was in some part dictated by his lack of vision. Jeez. And he did look like a completely different fighter in many respects. Obviously, his strength and conditioning is a part of that too. But like, you know, went in there 2020 instead of 2300. You know, it's a big deal. A lot of fighters, Billy Quarantello, wow. uh, getting that PRK procedure. Um, might have been useful for Ken Flo trying to sneak contact. Yeah, I need that. Uh, all right. If you want to check out Ken Flo's jujitsu tutorials, I strongly would recommend that. Kenny Florian, martial arts.com, uh, and Florian podcast.com for the podcast merchandise. And for one more sleep merchandise, we have special limited edition there for Phoenix, Arizona. You can go to millions.co. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Brian Petrie. Thank you all for tuning in. Kindly subscribe on YouTube, tell your friends, and we will talk to you next week as we recap the monster that is UFC at 274. Uh, with that, for our producer, Cody Merrow, intern, Will Berger, and the great Kenny Florian, John Hanks, saying so long for now. We will see you next Sunday, if not sooner. Until then, you'll later. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. 
Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.